Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? Coach Lucas back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today, none other than look who we finally have on the damn show. Uh, my great friend, Brett Bartholomew, man. It is a pleasure to have you on finally. You know, it took, it took this to happen for us to be on Zoom watching each other right now. But hey, here we are. Here we are. I was hoping for the horn that goes wham, wham, wham. Yeah, uh, listen, Funkmaster Flex couldn't make it today. To couldn't drop back. a bomb on it. Yeah, man, I, listen, I, it was easy. All you had to do was send me the link and we got it locked and loaded. Uh, no, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's my pleasure. Uh, and, and like we, were, we talked about before, you know, there's so many different avenues that we could take things. But I, you know, for sure what I wanted to, to dive into, I mean, it's impossible to not kind of, um, you know, avoid this new world in, in, the, in the fitness and strength and conditioning space. Uh, things are changing. And for, you know, some of the stuff that I want to talk to you about is just like how to prepare coaches to be able to be successful moving on from now. And, and yes, sure, so certain things have stood the test of time and will, you know, will, will always be there. Um, but others are for sure new. Some, one of them being what we, we talked about is communication on these new mediums. Um, like I said, social media platforms, how you start doing any yep. type of online coaching. And then also another thing, which, you know, we've both, both experienced with uh, mentoring people on is, you know, how do you value yourself? How do you sell? How, like, how important it is, you know, sales and marketing in the strength and conditioning world and how to communicate that. I think, you know, those are, those are things that keep coming up. I'm, you know, you were saying like, you get it all the time every week, same here. Uh, it constantly pops up. But, you know, if we're, if we're just sitting here riffing and helping uh, coaches move into the future with new skill sets or some awareness around what would help them out, you know, what are some things that your thoughts on that? Like maybe starting on a communication and the things. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing to help other people understand, and this definitely isn't um, a trite phrase or a soundbite. I mean, this is what my doctorate is based on now, but the, you know, the quality of communication and the quality of our lives are directly interrelated. And, that, and that's just true. And I don't think a lot of people know what communication is. And we can talk about the actual like research definition, but when you look at the research and, and I'll spout off some things, cause I know that your, uh, your listeners are appreciate this, but you know, a 2017 article by Owen Hargy, you know, makes a great point that communication is a prerequisite for scaled learning. Like we know that nobody, and, and sales is, is a byproduct of communication as well. Nobody Absolutely. can learn something about anything unless you really double down on your communication. Uh, another article talks about how, and it's literally word for word, develops personal identity and theory of mind. Theory of mind is just this idea of like recognizing that other people think differently than you. If you don't study communication and you don't really, I mean, I think everybody appreciates that. They know that people are different, but they don't really analyze that. They don't really analyze and, and learn how to craft their message to different people. Everybody, every athlete that I train, all the jerseys behind me, every single one of them is a different person. And you know what? I coach them in groups of 30 and I coach them in groups of 20 and 40 and 50 and, and two and five. And you can always scale that. Um, communication is also necessary for survival. That is literally how we have evolved as human beings, right? It's how we, it's how we cope with stress. It's the basis of social capital. It, it, we know that the worst thing you could ever do to somebody is put them into isolation. So it's prophylactic against mental degradation and, and all these things. So, you know, most research suggests, and this is research as of 2018, they make a bold statement that communication represents the very essence of human condition. Great. But here's the thing. Nobody studies it or like learns it inherently in school. And if they do, then they don't get evaluated in other areas of their life, except for some shitty like staff review they might do at work. 
right? And so a big part of what we're doing and what we've talked about, obviously, we're going to do one a bit bigger is we now at Art of Coaching have created the first workshop where people can get evaluated, just like they used to on the FMS or weightlifting techniques or kettlebell work. We now have a seven point scale where people can get evaluated on every aspect of their communication, not just verbal, nonverbal, anything like that, because we want to help people understand that like, hey, poor communication doesn't just cost people their results, it can cause them their livelihood. You know, when I had the opportunity to speak up at Wells Fargo, uh, like Wells Fargo predicts, and this is per a Forbes article, that robots or AI will steal 200,000 jobs, banking jobs within the next 10 years. So Wells Fargo isn't like getting a bunch of people skilled up on AI. They're getting people skilled up on communication and interpersonal skills because they know at the end of the day, somebody's always going to want to talk to another person. But it's something our field is super far behind on right now because we just take it for granted. We think we're already good at it. We take it at face value. We read a couple leadership books and we think we're good. But you know, you're somebody that's always stood out as somebody that understands that communication is so much deeper. It is a science in and of itself. So I think that's a critical part of it. And it's a huge part of this uh, field evolving if it wants to survive and thrive over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Those are great points, man. I, I want to kind of riff on this because, okay, a couple of things. One, I'm always like, hey, here's some good books that I recommend, you know, to improve your communication or awareness of it or you know, get some strategies and tactics, but, but the, the, the problem ends up being when you read it, you know, how do you apply it and how do you get feedback and how do you get honest feedback? And I think that's, I mean, obviously, you know, the apprenticeship is one of those things that, that works on it. I did some, uh, this past weekend, I did a coaching conversations course with Mark Fisher, which was great because there was tons of back and forth, like one-on-one getting feedback on how you're doing it, but that's not a norm. And how do you, you know, without without having to go to not to say that you should i'm saying but like on a daily basis how do you work on communication and get feedback so that you understand like hey you know what i just said or uh maybe i was judging right or maybe i was doing this that or the other so that i can correct it because i think on a day-to-day basis in coaching what happens is we communicate but the client doesn't you know go like hey luca by the way um you did this there you know you could have said it a little bit different it doesn't happen so we kind of build these shitty habits and over the course of a long time let's say you're coach for 10 years you've been doing things a certain way but those haven't been great communication skills right you've actually ingrained kind of worse patterns if that makes sense yeah i mean it's a big reason why we made i mean the field guide that's free to everybody that goes to getfieldguide.com or our online courses is i mean one of the easiest ways you can do it is videotape it you're right like and we we lead people through an exercise setting up a tripod a camera getting consent of course videotaping those things and and then you know we have all kinds of worksheets we have a coaching evaluation that is absolutely free to anybody that's in our online course bought in where they can they go through and they have to ask these questions it's like a reflections journal it makes them dissect all these different things we do video breakdowns so part of step one is just coaches need to seek out these resources you know i feel like a consummate failure every time uh like we talk about this stuff on a podcast or something because of the fact that like if I ask people, hey, where can we go to learn more about corrective exercise, they can shout off every workshop, right? Mm-hmm. But like, we're still not there with communication because people just, it's not sexy, it's not cool, it's not anything, yet it's the bedrock of, every, you know as well as I do, everybody can have every certification, every degree, every accolade they want. If they suck at communicating, none of it's going to go anywhere, you know? And so 
um, we have free guides that we have online courses for that. We have things that walk them through that, but you got to review. The answer is you got to put skin in the game. You can use videotape, voice recording. Um, you can bring somebody in. I mean, we do virtual stuff for telehealth. I like right now I'm working with three doctors that are trying to take what they do in the clinic or normally do in the clinic. And now they're trying to convey it over a virtual medium. And, and they sought us out cause they just said, Hey, we had a client or a patient rather um, that, and they couldn't tell who it was, who it was because of HIPAA, but they, they had read your book, they recommended it, we looked it up and, and, and we were interested in it. And so now we're guiding them. So the other answer is they got to seek that out, right? For people to say they can't get feedback on it. Well, what excuse do you have when we live in the society of Zoom and FaceTime? You know, and so I think people need to identify people they trust in the space of communication, science and evaluation and education. And they need to seek them out and they need to invest in that. Because if you ask your listeners, how many of them, have invested $500 or more in training related resources or business related resources or marketing related resources in the past, past X amount of months or years, you're going to see a lot of hands go up. If you say, okay, now how many of you have gotten communication training, not just sales training, but communication training and feedback? How many people, Luca, do you think have really done that? What percentage? I'm going to go ahead and say less than 10, but I might, I might even be generous there maybe. Right. Um, Cause here, here's real stats. They find that as of 2016, out of 256 coach development workshops out there, mm -hmm. less than 6% focus on any interpersonal skills Holy training. Shit. Wow. That's mind boggling. I mean, and that's why we created uh, this. Cause we're like, all right, we could complain about that or we could be part of the solution. And so I'm like, we're going to tie my doctoral research into this two-day workshops, online courses, online mentoring, all these things. And now our business is literally one word, communication. Well, I mean, maybe one, one big point that I would say is like, if you wrote, you know, like if you wrote stuff on a paper and said, okay, how much do you, because if you ask a coach and say, how important is communication? Most people will probably say it's very important, especially today, right? You can't coach without it. Show, yeah, me, it. show me how you can coach somebody without communicating. Impossible. And so if you write down like all the, you know, you studied anatomy, you did this, you did that, you, and you put all the hours down, I think it would be valuable for people to go like, okay, cool. This week, how much did I study communication? This month, how much did I study communication? Because it would be like this massive contrast between one and the other. And I hear this all the time where it's like, I have a tough time communicating with clients or actually it comes out more like, man, like my clients aren't doing what I'm recommending them to do, which is a communication <laughs> issue <laughs> more Always. than anything else. And the coaching literature states this. The coaching literature says coaches are social beings in a social environment. And what we do, coaching is social in nature. I think one area that may help people, if I can offer this to you and your audience, is for them to study it, they've got to understand components of the communication process. And this is right out of our apprenticeship, right? So there's eight components. If everybody's got a piece of paper, I know I talk fast, but this might help you. Well, one, obviously, is the communicators. And these. this is just knowing information about and I know this is tricky to say in this time, you know, their sex, I'm talking about biological sex, right? Sex or identified gender, if you want, their age, their ethnicity, their appearance, their personality, their, their history. You've got to know stuff about them, right? I'm Brett Bartholomew. I'm a Caucasian male from Omaha, Nebraska, who's 34 years old. I'm a father of a five-month-old, right? That's what I mean. You've got to have a really clear-cut idea. And that's pretty easy for people, right? But then there's the message. And this is something else that they got to evaluate. That's the content itself, What's the pattern of thought? What was conveyed versus what was intended? What's the configuration of ideas? How did you put that configuration together? And why was it presented in the way that it was to that person? 
Then there's the medium, the second M, okay? That's the means of conveying a message. So right now, Luca, you and I are communicating via the medium of Zoom. That is a, that's a digital medium, right? That's different than somebody being face-to-face -face with somebody where that medium, that medium is now just sound waves in person. Then there's the channel. That is what connects what the research calls interlocutors or the people communicating and the medium. So the channel for you and I right now is Wi-Fi, right? For somebody that's listening to this podcast, it might be their data, anything like that, right? So do you understand that? Are you with me so far? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Then there's code. That is the system of shared meaning between two people, signs, symbolism. So I might say, Luca, what's good? You know what I mean by that. You know that that means what's happening, how are you, things like that. If I go to a foreign country and say what's good in Russia, there may not be a translation for that. Um, thumbs up in Western civilization means one thing. In another civilization, it may not mean another. We all know that there's words certain populations shouldn't say. There's all kinds of things where there's a system of shared meaning. Then, and we're on number six now, is noise. This is anything that acts as interference of the communicative act. So noise could be an intrusive sound, such as the Amazon guys coming up to my door right now and I'm hoping my dog does not bark. Um, it could be a distraction. That could be your own uncertainty or insecurity. It could be the use of jargon. So if somebody says to their client, well, what we're doing is trying to facilitate the neuromuscular system and their client has no idea what that means and they have trouble getting buy-in, well, you've introduced noise into the communicative act that was not necessary. Um, it could also just be a bad cell connection, right? It could be your bias, you, you being a poor listener. Uh, number seven is feedback. And you already mentioned this, Luca, that's the method of ascertaining whether your message was even successfully received. And this is why people need evaluation. Um, they oftentimes think because they said it, somebody understood it. It's that curse of knowledge. I could hum a song right now, whether you know it's Ice Ice Baby or not, I don't know, right? It depends on my humming, depends on what chorus hook, anything I did there, anything like that. And then finally is the context. Now we talk a lot about context in communication and coaching, but not many people define it. The literature defines context as the situation, circumstances, and setting in which an event occurs. So for example, somebody could nail all seven components of these communication, right? But they could do it in the wrong context. Maybe they said the right thing at the wrong moment. Maybe they said the wrong thing at the right moment. Maybe the way they said it wasn't perfect for the scientific audience, was perfect for somebody else, right? That's the other part. So what we try to do with our training is we break down these eight components of the communicative process and we evaluate within them, right? And we try to see where breakdowns occur, how they can be improved upon. Hopefully that makes sense and gives people something super tactical that they can take home right now. Yeah, no, I love that. See, the, the thing is, I know that that can become overwhelming, right? Because somebody that hasn't really dove into it can go like, oh shit, at three I was getting, you know, I was getting spazzed out. But I, you never, I mean, you learn step by step. And I think that's why the doing the live stuff is so beneficial. Uh, like for instance, and I'll, I'll just give something, you know, practical that just popped up. Uh, you know, how do you, for instance, many times I'll have a conversation and I'll say something, I'll say, what are you hearing me say? So that they repeat it back to me. So I figure out the thing that I said, is, it, is that what they heard? You know, and if they didn't, I'm like, oh, I apologize. I, you know, I didn't that explain that well enough. Let me, right, let me do it again. So that at the end, we're both like, okay, I'm saying this and that's what you're hearing me say. Spot on. And, and there's a practical stuff. And I know that, you know, obviously like you guys, if you haven't, and we'll, we'll talk about that. If you haven't got the conscious coaching book, you got to get it. But um, 
an apprenticeship where you actually get that feedback right off the bat and and you can start seeing like holy shit i did do that you know maybe i asked a question but it was judgmental or or leading into a certain direction uh, and that's not what i wanted to do or a tone of voice that you had that was you know um you can have just the tone of voice can change whether you're curious or not hey i'm just curious right if i say that or versus like um i'm curious you know like this it, that same same thing i said is going to come off completely different towards the person that I'm trying to coach. And, yep. and those, those eight that you mentioned, every single one of those has, I would say, practical applications that you just have to practice. Like you, you have to understand them, but then you have to practice them, get feedback on them and improve. Like there's no way around it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and it, it breaks down more than that. You know, we have our seven point kind of pieces within that is, and you mentioned, so there's, there's like, you know, there's the verbal element of communication and that's great. And there's nonverbal. So communication itself is a meta, meta category. Um, then we evaluate them on, on how well they negotiate. And that can be, you know, negotiation covers a lot of different things. We look at how well they personalize their cues. Um, we look at all these different things that break it down. But let's just look at um, the nature of the meta category of communication in general, right? If we're looking at verbal or, the, you know, a lot of people say verbal, nonverbal, but they miss what's called the paraverbal. So paraverbal is how something is said. Um, so some subcomponents we look at is clarity. How clear was your message? And you alluded to that. Like, hey, what did you hear me say? How concise was it, right? Are, are you being long-winded in your explanation? Mm, yep. Then there's fluency. Was there a lot of stutters, stammers, uhs, errs, uh, you know, things like that, right? Uh, anything like that. Everybody knows what a disfluency sounds like. There's tonality, which is like me talking like this and me talking like this. And then there's, of course, the tempo, which I can speed up really quickly, or I can talk a little bit more slowly, right? And all of those are going to be appropriate in different times. I think something else that's also missed is like the use of humor and little things like that. And uh, so, I mean, but that is just one of the seven components. And then you look at nonverbal, Luca. Well, it's, it's a lot more than just nonverbal. Um, there's haptics under the nonverbal category, and that is the use of touch. There's kinesics. That is body or eye movement, facial expressions, uh, self-soothing gestures. There's proxemics, spacing, right? Are you the Seinfeld close talker, right? Anything like that. Um, there's aesthetics. That's any kind of adornment, a physical characteristic. Or you, do you have a tattoo? You wear earrings? Do you do this? People express themselves through aesthetics all the time. And then there's even your biometrics, right? Like, so you look at um, people that are short or tall or what have you, believe it or not, like the way that they dress, the way that they act, the way that they behave non-verbally, that, that also communicates some things about the self-image as well. So there's, it's more than the eight components of that communicative process. There's also elements of communication itself that have to get broken down uh, into those things. But, you know, I certainly don't want to be overwhelming, but it just lets people know that it's like, it's deeper than rap. You know, this isn't just something where it's like, you look at these things and we haven't even talked about how they navigate power dynamics and all those other things yet, because just right now people are still caught up in this like idea of like, oh, well, I don't need to study communication. I do it every day. Well, I wish you and I could go see the Philharmonic and then know how to play all these instruments, right? I wish that I could go watch. I wish I could plug into the matrix and learn jujitsu, but you can't. And so for people to under, to people to think, that they're already good communicators because they're just present-minded about it would be like me thinking I'm a good husband because I wake up still married every morning. <laughs> and that, you know, but that, that I think even listening to this, if everybody can kind of get that from it and understand that like, wow, I really need to work on it. I think that's a massive step in the right direction. 
right? Awareness precedes change. And to, to listen to us talk and go, holy shit, I got, you know, I got to step my game up. I'm really not working on this. We I, all I, do. I, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I'm like, that's the fun of it, man. Like it's improv. Like I, you know, I did a podcast recently called coaching is improv and people think I'm talking about improv comedy. No, like life is improv. How many of you actually even know what interactions you're going to have in the next 24 hours? You know exactly what's going to be said, how you're going to respond. You know, if somebody's going to cut you off in traffic, you know, what's going to go on three months from now. Like life is improv and improv is inherently imperfect. The, the issue is, is in coaching and training. Most people are so scared to fail that they don't want to go work on this stuff because they don't want to look dumb, right? Like public speaking is one of the biggest fears most people have. So to tell people to come to a communication workshop, it, it terrifies them. But here's the thing, man, we've had people in 30 different professions come, you know, and, and we did that in part because we didn't want to just do something for the trainer industry or the strength coach industry or whatever, because why would, why would we want to do that? We want cross-pollination of professions. So we've had FBI folks, we've had people in HR, we've had business owners, we've had strength coaches, because that's awesome. Imagine being a 42-year-old a, a trainer who owns your own gym and your own business or what have you, and then you get uh, broken down your communication style by somebody who was an FBI criminal analyst that happened to come to. And similarly, they get your feedback. And so we think we're creating something really powerful. People just have to not be scared because we expect failure. As a matter of fact, Luca, we market it as a safe place for people to fail and refine for life's biggest moments. It's fun. We laugh about it. We have some comedy elements broken up into it. Our mutual friend, Andy McCloy, literally did our first one, our first ever. He hosted it. And that was like our beta. You know what I mean? And even that, like we've changed it a lot since then. It'll continue to adapt. But like, even he will tell you, man, like day one, this dude was like, like Andy. <laughs> Andy was and then day two, like, I think I actually got him to laugh a bit. I'm like, see, dude, like this, is, it should be fun. And we shouldn't be so scared to get in front of people and get evaluated and get feedback. It doesn't have to be like that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, how many, how many have you done since then? Uh, we are, well, until COVID, we are on pace to hit like 20 now. We just launched them in January. Andy was our soft launch in November. So we've done, uh, I think like seven, seven. Um, we've done some for private situations too, but like seven big public ones. Um, we keep them very small, 15 or under, unless we have a co-facilitator, then we'll go 20. But generally we don't go over 20. Um, because again, we do video breakdowns, we get small groups, we, this is not like death by PowerPoint, right? It's heavily interactive, mm -hmm. and it very, very intimate in terms of feedback and what have you. So um, yeah, COVID wiped out three of them in April, three of them in May, uh, we were supposed to do four in Australia. So we're, we're actually we're doing one in South Carolina, July 25th and 26th, Charleston, South Carolina, there's worse places to be. And, and then we're open for business again after that. So if anybody's listening, get your ass out there in July. Yeah, and pay pay attention for when we uh post the date for vigor too. Yeah. Um with 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 that said though, man, like if you you know, I guess the the, the up and coming coaches, and I'll just say that like the coaches that usually been in industry for about three years. Yeah, uh, you know, what are, what are the when you mentor them or when you have them in the groups or just the communicate you obviously have a lot of communication daily, whether people DMing you, reaching out, emailing you. Uh, you know, what do you feel like, what are the obstacles that they share with you as far as when it comes to communication? Yeah. So what we get that? is a lot of them just feel super insecure that they're so overwhelmed by the amount of training information out there that they're scared they're going to get behind if they focus on anything. But, ah. um, and, and what's scary about that is like, I always tell people like, 
the training side and the anatomy and the physiology and all that stuff, that's a prerequisite. Like you got to have that knowledge just to play this game as a strength and conditioning coach, right? Like if all of a sudden you've gone to four years of school, you've got your master's degree, you've got your certification and you're looking back and you've gone to like almost everything you're studying is still the body, the body, the body. Well, like, listen, I get that it always changes, but like it also really doesn't. Like we're not going to find out that the Krebs cycle doesn't work. We're not going to find out the stretch shortening cycle doesn't need to be attenuated by plyometrics. We're not going to find out that lifting weights actually makes people weaker or that muscle tissue isn't composed of composed of protein or that the neuromuscular system doesn't fire to the tissue. Like, yeah, there's always some stuff coming out, but I think if people were really honest with themselves, they'd realize that like, ultimately what takes anybody to the next level in their field is communicating. That's why most head strength, like that's why somebody starts off as a grad assistant or an intern and they're just on the training floor, right? Eventually they become a head strength coach and they now are not just training people, but they've got to deal with administration. And now if they become a director of performance, now they're leading medical and this and that, or if they become a business owner, same thing, right? They went from a trainer that was just working all the time, but now they own a business and they've got to communicate with their accountant and what have you. Like, it's so scary to me that they don't understand that the natural progression of things, like the base level of understanding you've got to have is training in the body. If you want to do anything beyond that, you've got to understand people, power dynamics, communication, and leadership, yet nobody's investing in it other than reading like John Maxwell books and, you know, listening to a few podcasts. That's not, that's like saying I'm going to get stronger without lifting weights. You know what I mean? Like, so the, the asymmetry there is glaring. And I just think our field is so young that it doesn't understand evolution. You and I love hip hop. Dr. Dre went from DJ and then from a DJ, he was a rapper. And then after that, a producer. And then all of a sudden he helped Jimmy Iovine create Beats by Dre and Apple Music. Steve Jobs used to make computers. And then all of a sudden he wore black turtlenecks and was selling shit on stage. Uh, Bill Gates, you know, that dude, you think Bill Gates is still the best at coding in the world? You think Bill Gates just thinks about coding day in and day out? No, like Bill... Our field is still so caught up on this lack of evolutionary process. They think that like, oh my God, I have to have the best exercises and I have to have the best facility and I've got to have the best this. And they don't realize that all that shit's subjective, right? Like all of it is subjective. Like who is ever going to get labeled as the best strength and conditioning coach in the game? And do you really think it's because they're doing every single thing to the, you know, like you can't evaluate that because best is like, it's same thing with pizza. You go to New York. Who's got the best pizza? I don't know. We talking sauce, cheese, or crust. You know what I mean? But like one thing people have to understand is here's the thing. I'm not saying that like communication is the only thing that matters. You got to learn the other thing too. But the, the point is, is I can guarantee you this. If you don't study communication deeply, you don't get evaluated it deeply, you are going to have worse outcomes in your life, either as a relationship or as a business or as a coach. I can guarantee you Go communicate like shit for one day. Don't give somebody good feedback. As a matter of fact, offend people, do all that. And then you let me know how your life's affected. And, and you know what's, what's crazy too? And like saying this today, right? Like if you're a great communicator and your training knowledge is, yeah, you're going to do better than if your training knowledge is excellent and you're a shitty communicator. Perfect programming done poorly, man. It happens all the time. It's, it, that's just going to be the reality of it. And I think that's just it, real world to you. Actually, it was like just last week, uh, I was talking to a coach who was basically giving me this example of, you know, they really know their shit and there's somebody in, and they're, they're a big box gym person, obviously right now they're yeah. not working, but they were saying like, well, I mean, there's one coach, like, I don't understand, you know, they don't have nearly as much skill as I do, but they're always packed. And that was it. Like the relationships, the communication, 
And it was just a reality check. It's like, man, listen, like, what are, what, what are you not doing, right? If all this training knowledge is not getting you where you want, what are you not doing that's going to take you to the next level? Yeah, and, and Luca, those stories are ubiquitous. I know you've taken bought in. We talk about Ignaz Semmelweis, who is the founder of human hand hygiene, right? This was a guy that had information that showed why all these women were dying of childbed fever in the 1800s. And a lot of it was co- like doctors were not washing their, washing their hands. Sterilization wasn't a thing, right? So like, this was also during a time where like uh, co- uh, doctors and surgeons would uh, assert like you, you were viewed, they wore these black frock coats, right? Instead of these white sterile medical coats, um, that was where they wore at the time. And the sign of a healthy practice and a good surgeon was somebody whose black frock coat was stiffened with blood and viscera. That was literally, it's almost like coaches who think they're better just because like for 20 years, they've just coached for 18 years on the floor, right? It's the suffering Olympics. And um the interesting thing about that is Ignaz Semmelweis was like, listen, you're cross-contaminating these women that are dying of childbed fever. You're doing autopsies on them, and then you're delivering babies. There's clear cross-contamination here. And they were like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, but write up research and defend your statements or what have you. We're going to keep doing us. And he did. He found clear correlation that women that were giving birth by midwives, uh, they were not dying at the same rate. We're talking like one in six death rate. That's alarmingly high uh, for, for people dying. Of uh, Women were choosing to give birth in the street as opposed to going to these clinics. So he's like, hey, like I've done this, I've done that. They still didn't listen to him. Well, he got angrier and angrier and angrier and he couldn't present his case well, even though he had showed death rates had gone down. But what he didn't realize is that these doctors were like, listen, dude, like here's the reason they were outcasting this guy. If he made his case effectively, which he couldn't do because he couldn't communicate for shit, is he was basically painting them as murderers, you know? And so they blacklisted him from the profession. He ended up getting committed to an insane asylum, beaten, and he ended up dying of the same infection that he was trying to cure. And this guy, think about it. He had proven through a chlorinated solution that if doctors just sterilized their hands and their tools, that death rates were going down. But even though it was that obvious to them, just like a trainer getting somebody to lose fat, gain muscle or what have you, because he couldn't educate them on it or make them feel comfortable with it, they blacklisted him and he died. And it wasn't until 10 years later that Louis Pasteur, the same guy that was involved in the, uh, he created the pasteurization of milk, it's named after him, found out that Ignaz Semmelweis was right all all along. And he packaged the information and the research, presented it. And posthumously, the guy was known as the father of human hand hygiene. It's the reason we sterilize today. It's the reason why there's hand sterilization, because he is the guy that found it, but he couldn't communicate it. And that was lives. These are tens of thousands of lives that could have been saved. So all these coaches and trainers that think that like they have the information and the perfect template. Awesome, man. I would love to tell you that like, that's going to lead you down the, the best route in life. But right now there are people that are figuring out vaccines. There are people that are figuring out technologies that don't know how to communicate it. There are researchers that are actually taking place. Alan Alda, the famous, um, the famous actor, he literally runs improv based workshops for scientists that don't know how to communicate and can't get grants because of it. He teaches them how to, to communicate that. So it's, I don't know, man, it, it just gets exhausting when people, here's the reality of what it is, Luke. It's not that people don't understand it. It's not that it's that it's not sexy. Somebody can't say, well, I have a communication certification or I have this. That's not as sexy as going on Instagram and posting some crazy new exercise they learned. So if coaches are being honest with themselves, they all know the importance of communication, but they feel like they don't get some distinction or piece of paper or tool or tactic or technology that makes it sexy. So they feel like it's not going to differentiate them. You know what I mean? Communication doesn't get you more followers, like in terms of like what your posts are, but 
better writing does, <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. And, and, stuff like, and stuff like this, actually, which leads me to come in. I mean, that's a drop the mic, like, you know, go, go, go make sure you work on this. But, but transitioning into now, you know, with, look, I, I don't give a, you know, gyms are going to open, coaching is going to continue. But yeah. the reality is that, that so much more stuff is going to be online. It, it, it is, whether it's- A hundred percent. Whether it's virtual training, you know, Zoom training sessions, whether it's stuff like, you know, this where we're doing visual calls or maybe just audio calls. But how, you know, how does that now, you know, taking that communication and going, okay, look, the, if you ignore this, you're, you're out of your mind. I mean, once again, you're losing an opportunity to get more reach, get more clients and get better results with those clients. What are some things that, that you're noticing or, or recommendations, you know, moving on to the different platforms and, and having to communicate through them? Because it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. There's stuff to look out for. No, and some of it, let's just start simple, right? Because we've gotten super heavy with a lot of science and a lot of research and a lot of information coming quickly. So let's talk about something you already do really well, just me seeing you. People have to understand that now you're an extension of your like digital self, right? There's a whole nother level of professionalism. Before, if people got on Zoom calls, right? It was kind of a laughing matter. Oh, I'm not wearing pants and who cares if it's a dark room? It's just a quick call or whatever. Now, I mean, it is a prerequisite. I mean, again, we're working with telehealth. We're working with these doctors and what have you we learned that like, hey, we always got to make sure the lighting's great. We got to make sure that we have a microphone. And a lot of this is just human decency, right? Making sure that just like um, if you and I were going to in person right now, you're pretty close to me in the screen. I'd say there's 12 inches from me in the screen. I want to make sure I don't smell bad. I want to make sure I'm dressed appropriately, right? That's human decency. That also goes into your experience with me. Well, imagine I got on here and it wasn't lit for shit. And my audio sound, <laughs> you know, like it was super messed up. It was echoey. It was far. Well, now, again, we've already created more noise. And we go back to those components of communication. So I think people need to just do some little things well. Make sure you know how to stage your setting, right? Get LED lighting, face, make sure you're facing a window so you're well lit. Make sure your audio is good because otherwise, no matter what you're doing, it's not gonna come across as well. And I think it's like, we talked about do the simple thing savagely well. Communication quality at this level is the same idea as movement quality. I'm not gonna load you up unless I know you can squat or perform a hinge or what have you. Same thing, I am not gonna ask somebody to get on a digital call with me if I don't have my digital self well presented. Now you don't need to go, I mean the microphone I'm talking to you now, it was like 50 to 100 bucks. The LED thing was $5 at the dollar store. It's just a USB LED, um, you know, and I, I'm using the webcam on my computer. But I think people need to think about that. They also need to think about what are some other things that create good communication environments in their day to day life. Well, we know people meet at coffee shops, bars, and pubs. Sometimes what we do to keep people engaged is we'll have, and we only have one person do it, there'll be like just chill music in the background, nonverbal, right? So it's just like, but we try to make things as normal as possible because even though we can't share that same physical space, we want to make sure there's something there. Now, when we work with telehealth clients that are actually coming to get communication-based um, uh, mentoring and guidance and assessment, we don't do that. But what I mean is I'm training a couple guys in the Patriots right now I don't expect him to have to worry about music. I get some music going. I tell him, hey, this is what we're doing. This is the angle. I have a tripod that I can position in my weight room in my garage so we can see everything. So I think people just got to think, again, human decency. What would I want to see or experience if this was in person, right? I wouldn't want to be around somebody that's not well lit. They're in the shadows. Their voice sounds gargled. They smell and, and it's not a lively environment. Have something interesting in the background. Just all these things you don't want to care about. You have to admit that it's just a reality now. Right, like I'm looking behind you. You got, you got all kinds of things that are not distractions. I see a chrome skull. That's awesome. A black whiteboard. Some other things. 
like that's going to keep me engaged. And I think you also have to be more, uh, you have to be careful about how long these calls go, right? Our staff meetings are a strict 30 to 45 minutes, anything longer than that. And we sucked doing a pre-brief. We always got to do a pre-brief. Now that's hard because I run a communication based company and even my, like my program, you know, uh, or my uh, project manager is still learning. And so we had said a few weeks ago, Hey, before any calls, we need to make sure we have a pre-brief. And I just want, what are the top three things we're going to discuss? Why are they important? What have you? Well, why are we going to do that? We're doing that because I don't want to discuss this shit on the call, right? So get on the point, make sure your digital medium set up, make sure your space looks clean. Make sure you do, you think about what you would want to see, what would keep you attentive and engaged and work on those things. And listen back to that audio. You said, what can I do today? If you're recording, which I know you are right now, you could send me this. I could send you that. Like we can sit there and we can dissect it. I can count how many disfluencies were there. Did I always speak at the same tempo? Was I always intense? Did I start to calm it down? You know, just little things like that. That's a great point. Actually, it's one of the things that I um, always would ask coach. I know this is, you know, communication sales, but I'd say, hey, like record your strategy sessions or your, or your sales stuff because what well, two things. <laughs> One, if they listen it back, sometimes I wouldn't even have to say anything yeah. because they're listening and going like, oh shit, here's a missed yeah. opportunity. Oh, I'm saying um, too much, right? Too much. And if they gave it to me, we, you know, I can now coach and say, hey, what, what's something you could have done here in this situation, right? And, and now all of a sudden they can, they can work on it. But nobody remember, you know, you get for a strategy session, nobody remembers what they did, what they said, how they No, it. no. And, they, and they, some of them, they don't want to. That's a choice. Some of them are like, I don't want to go back and listen. Like, listen, I hate listening to myself on podcasts. Nobody wants to hear themselves. It's weird. It's eerie. But you got to. You got to get comfortable with that. You should see it. You'd love it. At our first apprentice or our second apprenticeship, we did this thing where we videotaped two people. One of them was a friend of mine, Kyle Holland, and he was having an interaction. And we projected that at the end of the second day on screen. So we, we made, he had gone through the training, everything. We watched the first interaction he had day one on screen. It's projected on the wall, as a matter of fact. And then we had him and the original guy come up again, reenact the scene or the scenario after watching that and getting evaluated. And then we, we, we broke it down. Obviously he did better the second time because he's gone through the training, right? And he go, and I go, any feedback, man? Like what, what was that process like for you? He goes, the only way I can describe that it was is you versus yourself. He goes, literally acting that out as I saw the previous version of myself from yesterday doing that was crazy, but super informative. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that enough. We don't compete against ourselves. We're too busy competing against other people and all those things. And, and you've got to slow down and evaluate yourself. Yeah. And then you said the word insecurity, which usually leads to that, right? I don't want to film it. Cause I don't want to watch it and feel insecure. Yeah. So it just starts this cycle where you just don't get better. And yeah. you know, you based on too, like uh, if, if for people that don't know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that most people do know uh, Brett's also got a course called value, which is phenomenal. And, you know, piggybacking on this, cause I, I really wanted to touch on this uh, when we talked today for sure is, you know, the sales part of it uh, you know, and I know you, you see and you coach and you talk to so many strength coaches, trainers, and, and a lot of other wellness professionals where that's the big kind of bottleneck is yeah. like, especially selling yourself. Um, yep. we, we were just having, you know, before, before we got on call, we we're doing an example of how uh, somebody that Brett knows is like said, Oh, I can't sell, you know, it is always selling restaurants and cause they're a foodie and like, just there's always some I restaurant know. I got to go to. There's always something new I got to try. It, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like, so there's this kind of dichotomy, like, Oh, I, I, I don't know how to sell. And yet you're selling. Right. Every day. Um, yeah. and, 
how, you know, and maybe it's like taking some of the, the kind of big ideas from the value course that you share with coaches to, uh, to help them overcome this, or maybe like, like I said, just create awareness to like, this is the stuff you got to work on and do. Yeah. So how can I drive awareness to that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. And, and what are some ways to, like I said, get a person to shift from understanding that like, look, you, you do sell and you're good at it. You're just not good at selling yourself. And yeah. We, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Is most people don't realize this. And we had a whole episode on it too, called the sin of self-promotion. And we put sin in, in parentheses or quotes. And I want to admit this too. Like I, th this was not anything I was ever comfortable with until I just like really learn more about like I accepted the reality like oh, I'm not in sales I'm not in this and I'm like sure I am I'm promoting the value of getting stronger every day I'm selling the idea that getting more sleep will help somebody get better like oh, you are every day I just think our our field just doesn't like the word and they get so mad because they feel like they have this bad image of sales and you know you've been in the field long enough early on in this profession it's not an old profession the people that did sell shit did were super unethical unethical. Right. It was like faster 40 in three seconds or less and, uh, you know, higher deadlift in this. And I was like, Oh my God. But again, that's all a manifestation, Luca. It comes back to what we talked about. They're like that. Cause they're not getting the training. They're not getting communication training. So they went to outside resources to learn crap. And then they came back and brought it in and infected it. Right. It's very much like COVID-19 and I'm not trying to be funny, cute or anything like that. I'm saying like, <laughs> if our field focused, we have to go upstream and learn how to communicate to sell well uh, everybody sells. So like, you know, what we talked about is you, one, you already sell yourself every day. That's the most important sales job you do. I sell myself that I can keep my son alive, that I'm a competent parent. Um, it's a super stressful period right now. I sell myself on the idea that we'll get through this. You know, we'll do this. Um, I have to sell myself after this, that like, I'll be able to get through my workout, even though I'm super tired today. <laughs> you know, you sell yourself every day. And, and then people that don't think they do, and we have an employee right now, He's not comfortable with it. Professor, strength coach. And I go, Corey, listen, you love the Avengers movies. You love Marvel. And you're always telling people, oh, dude, you got to check this one out. Listen, it's not just these characters and the explosions. It's the storyline. I'm telling you. And I go, dude, where is that? Where is that when somebody is in front of you telling you they're stuck in their career, they can't figure it out, and we want you to tell them about our online course value that helps them. It divides their career into three steps right? Execute, expand, and evolve. It gets them unstuck. He's like, well, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, with the Marvel, and I go, listen, dude, is somebody watching a Marvel movie going to help them solve some of their life's biggest problems? I mean, I don't know. It, maybe it will. Whereas like, well, selling them on a course, right? Help them. He's like, I know, but just like a movie's $12 and the course is $479. And I go, how much does making a mistake in your business and your life or being in a bad job or signing a bad contract? Right? Like, and people think this is sales shit. It's not. When people are like, oh, I don't have the time and the money. I'm like, dude, an online course is a return on time. I'm teaching you shit that it took me 10 years to wake up to. And you've got to spend 10 hours. What do you mean you don't have the time? And like, I caught myself getting mad, dude. I had to like step back and I just realized, stop. People don't understand it yet. Like I didn't understand it until I went through some shit until people told me like, oh, you know, if you write the book, this company owns it. Or, hey, if you do this, you can't do that. And until people put restrictions on my life, I didn't realize I had to adapt. But that's the sad thing, Luca. You know, we had our online courses blow up after COVID-19 hit. And you know why? Because people were like, hey, I always know you say communication matters and whatever. But like, I just had all these other things going on. And now that I can't like, you know, coach as much, I just, I realized how communication, how important it is. And now I've got to do it online. And I don't know. And I'm like, and that's cool. 
you know, as a business owner, I appreciate that there's people that buy our courses, but it upsets me that it took a pandemic for people to like step back and realize that like, oh yeah, like I need to think about my communication. Like that's not how I want my business to win. You know, I want my business to win because people realize communication is a cornerstone. The number one thing everybody says that leaves our apprenticeships is I need to bring my wife or husband here. Like that's the shit that we want because we're not trying to just like teach people how to coach a clean. We're trying to teach people how to like communicate and get out of sticky scenarios that are really impacting them. But they sell every day. It was the core of the message. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, um, you made a lot of really, really good examples that hopefully bring that to light. But once again, right, you, you have the skill. You just got to laterally transfer it to, 100%, you know, to, to the thing that you're doing. And so what, like, I love practical stuff and your experiences, especially if like we haven't caught up for a while too. Like, you know, what are you seeing as far as this period and what's moving forward with strength coaches and how things are going to look like? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think everything is going to be, it's so funny when people are like, Oh, I want to go back to normal. I can't wait for it to go back to normal. First of all, I'm like, yo, normal. Is that good? <laughs> when, when 40% of trainers are, are out of the job after the first year or strength coaches are getting fired after two years. And even with a master's degree, you're making maybe 30 to 60 K like normal was good. You, you want to go back to that? Like, let's be honest. Some stuff's going to be better here. I was talking to my friend, Dave Poloka at the Miami dolphins yesterday. And he's like, Hey, you know, we've had, we've had to learn this technology. What are you using them with this app? And he's like, you know what, this and this isn't as actually as bad as I thought. I think there are going to be some coaches that realize it's not as bad as they thought. And you know what else, man, I think this is going to cleave off some of the dead weight. And I'm certainly not talking to everybody. Listen, we were impacted to get very transparent. We lost $200,000 as a company. I've never even seen that much money, you know, our live work. So when I say it's going to cleave off some dead weight and some people are going to no longer be in this field, I am not being mean. I am not saying that the ethical, strong-willed, awesome community driven business owners out there, you know, I'm glad for your suffering. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, uh, you know, there, there are some people that like were stagnant and there are some people that didn't want to be forward thinking. And there are some people that probably shouldn't be in this field and they're not going to be anymore. Um, you know, hopefully the last thing is, and I don't, I, I think it will maybe more in your industry on the fitness side of things, as opposed to uh, strength and conditioning. Cause I still think there's just too big of a divide between team strength coaches and private, but it should unify. It should unify a lot more. Um, I just don't know that it's going to, man. I feel like our field still just got a long ways to go where there's still this mentality of I win, you lose, or, you know, heads, I win, tails, it was chance, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I, I don't know, hopefully it makes people communicate better and realize that they've got to, because now things aren't as in their control. Um, but I think that depends. It depends on what the quote unquote leaders of our field project, what they say. And it depends on how, uh, I always say we have this field that's so obsessed with adaptation yet fails to adapt on so many fronts. Hopefully it locks and loads, you know? Yeah. Those are good points. I mean, just on, on a baseline level, it, you have to be really committed for instance, right through this time, I don't care how you know, good your business was. I mean, I, everybody's been affected. Everybody's lost money. Uh, some, a lot more, some, a lot, you know, not as much, but to be able to like, if you love it and if you're like, Hey, I'm dedicated to be a good coach, and a business owner in this field, like you're going to have to put in more work. You know, that, that, that's Sorry. Been a, yeah. Exactly. It's been, it's been a conversation. That's actually been a challenging one, whether it's with team colleagues, whatever, you know, it, I say, guys, you know, whether you look at the rest of 2020, like you're going to have to, have to do more work to be at baseline. That's just the reality. And if you don't want to accept that, then probably this is not the field for you. Right. I mean, anytime that there's a lot of changes going on, there's going to have to be more focus on whether it's building new skill sets, whether it's, you know, 
working hard on your communication, innovation of things that, you know, we, we got to change up a whole, you know, training model essentially, at least for, I don't, you know, who knows how long, maybe forever. Right. And, and you do it, but there's so much to do that. I think that what you were saying, as far as uh, like, I, I completely agree with you. It's not that you're going like, Hey, you know, I, if you're not serious, like I'm happy that you're out of here. It's not that it's just that if, if your commitment, if you really want to do this, you love this industry, you'll put in the work, and then down the line, you'll look back and go like, man, I remember that time that was really challenging, but man, I'm better now, you know? Yeah, man, like I don't, I don't want to get on 30 Zoom calls, you know, like I've done more Zoom calls and podcasts in these last three months than I ever want to do. But I understand that like it, it necessitates that because we've got to let people know about our work and we've also got to educate them. And, you know, when we do get these meetings, people do want one-to-one telehealth training or like, you know, I, I spoke with the individual in the NFL, like a head of medical today that they're trying to figure out how they can best do certain things virtually with their athletes. Like I, that stuff's cool. It's good. It sucks sitting down. I'm not stationary. I don't want to be a stationary person, but like it's what's required right now. And if you're going to bitch about that, then like you might not be long for this. You know, they're, they're like the automobile industry used to bitch about seatbelts. Guess what? It saved lives. But for like 30 years, man, automobile makers were like, we're not using seatbelts. And it was like, <laughs> people are dying. You know, same thing with Ignaz Semmelweis. We're not washing our hands. What? So our field, I think, is going through that right now. I think this is that moment for our field. I think this is that moment where they're like, no, we're not ready. And it's like, yeah, well, guess what? And Apple's, <laughs> most people aren't ready. And that's sort of like, now you know what your clients or athletes feel like when you tell them to do something that they don't want to do. And you're like, no, it's great. It's going to be good for you. Like, guess what? Now you're under load. Now you're under load. Now you're under duress. Are you going to adapt? Cool. I mean, hopefully so. Every other industry is this will be a good mark to see if strength and conditioning and fitness gets left behind yet again by other fields that are more open-minded. Yeah. Well, and we, and we have to learn from them. I mean, shit, I was, I'm training a couple of Seahawks guys right now and you know, same thing come in and it's just like, Hey, we're having a zoom call with 116 players and going over 30 plays. And then, mm. you know, then they're trying to do virtual training and, and whatnot. And uh, I mean, that's why some were like, Hey, listen, I got to train with you right now. It's, uh, but it, it, this is just, it's everywhere. It's inevitable. And like, you cannot, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people that were like, took, you know, kind of hands off, said, look, I'm going to wait. And they didn't, it's so many gyms didn't do stuff, you know, whether yeah. it was virtual training, whether it was learning new technologies. I mean, I've spent, you yeah, know, you were I'm, way I'm, ahead of that. And in, 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 like I'm doing 16 hour days from day one, you know, since, I mean, many of them, not every day, but uh, figuring the shit out for the next, you know, step two, three, four. Uh, rather than, but, that, but that's the nature of doubling those things down. Right, man. And like, and I think you get more comfortable with that. The more skin you put into the game, as long as you can get over that first threshold, the initial inertia you get over. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I used to vacillate back and forth. I'm like, man, I'm a strength coach. Like, you know, but I also want to run this communication side of things and in the field and beyond, like, you know, I'm still dabbling in both and whatever. And I still coach every morning. I'm coaching my NFL guys out of my garage and what have you. But the reality is, is right now I can definitely tell you that right, wrong or different. And I'll state it on your podcast because I'm totally cool being wrong about this 10 years from now. Maybe none of it will matter. But I think that any, I think more than anything else in the next decade, communication is going to matter more and more and more. And so we're doubling down on that is what we do at Art of Coaching. That is where the go-to people on communication training, where the go-to people on communication science, where the go-to people on building buy-in. That's what it is. And I'll live and die with that. Now, we'll deliver those services in different ways. We'll serve people in different ways. We'll do those things in different ways. But I'm not, you know, we're not going to try to serve every, like, you know, we had some people that are like, hey, could you do, um, 
you know, we have online training and, and that's some part where we bridge a gap or whatever. But sometimes I want people that are like, Hey, could you speak on progressions or regressions for shoulder health? And I'm like, listen, no, like, I love that. And yes, I can speak on that. And I have presentations on those things. I've worked with fighters, baseball players, what have you, but no, that's not what we're doing right now. We're, if you, if you want stuff on these things or human behavior or, or building buy-in and psychology of change and whatever, we got you, but I'm no longer trying to appease everybody and everything. And that's what everybody needs to be doing right now. What are you going to own? Double down on it. How can you advance it? What are the three next steps and get going? It's, uh, you know, as you bring this up, like, uh, I think it was Carmine Gallo. He wrote like talk like Ted and the storyteller secret, but it was, there was this really good statistic in there that, that really like shines a light on exactly what you said in the next 10 years, he was breaking it down and going like, man, in in the tech field for coders, the guys that are going to be guys and girls, they're going to be better communicators will get paid more because it's missing. Right. And they're able to now uh, bring everybody together. And it was just breaking down every di different field and going like, this is the big missing link and opportunity for people, right? So if you're great at coding or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, but if you become a great communicator, your value goes up dramatically. And in the next decade, that's going to be the missing link. It's like communication, leadership, you know, yeah, you still like the buy-in is to have, you know, great skill set, whether that's yeah. training and understanding, right? But this is the stuff that's going to take you to the next level. And I think what I struggle with though, too, is there's some people that want to hear that, or like, let's say they just, um, there's some people that will never hear that message. It's like Bill Gates who, you know, he talked about pandemics and things we need to be aware of on the Ted stage in 2015. This is the richest man in the world at the time, or one of them with one of the biggest platforms and people still didn't listen. So the only thing I can't really figure out and I've had to come to terms with is there are certain people that like, well, they just maybe don't like my work or they don't, they don't like me, or maybe, you know, they, they, maybe they feel, you know, I had, I've had people that said, Hey, I didn't really take your work at first. I didn't know how I felt about somebody so young talking about these things and what have you. And so they'll never listen to this. So the thing that I struggle with and like, I just know is inevitable is there are certain people that don't listen to the message because they don't like the messenger. Like I can sit here and talk about the importance of communication for the next 10 years. But then all of a sudden, let's say David Epstein writes a book on it or somebody else writes a book on it who's outside of our field, therefore not seen as a threat. And then every, somebody's going to be like, oh, have you read this book on how people need to become better communicators? And I'm just going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and, and that's when I, have, I almost need to create a pseudonym that's a pop psychology author that, you know, like a pen Yo, name. Like, I, like, I was about to say that. Like Ben Franklin, right? I'm going to write as silence do good. And I'm going to write like a communication book and people are going to be like, did you hear what this guy said? And I'm going to be like, so that's what's funny to me is just like our, 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 our field and our just humans in general are destined to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Hopefully at the end of the day, at least you remember if anybody else, Hey, yo, my boy Brett was on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I know that here's, here's the way I look at it, man. It's like every time, you know, thousands of people listen to this episode, man, if, you know, 30, 40, 50, take it seriously and go do something, it's a win. That's all you can hope for anymore. And, That's and, life. And, it's a long numbers game, man. Absolutely. So I think, you know, with, because of that, listen, man, you're doing the work, baby. You know? I love <laughs> I mean, it. And if there's anybody that taught us, uh, I got to look at because what you're wearing right now with the Seattle Sonics hat, if we know anything about unsung heroes, we got to bring up Sean Kemp. You know, they got that Jordan documentary, yeah. but I'm still waiting on Sean Kemp. I mean, dude, let's be honest, NBA jam, Sean Kemp, you know, and the Bill Clinton big head code. That was, that was like a duo, but uh, Sean Kemp with the Sonics. I'm waiting for a replay. That and Barry Sanders just don't get any love in, in terms of different sports. This is true. And, and Sean Kemp in this city, I mean, he, he is a Seattle, like he is rooted here, man. Is he? Uh, yeah. Like, and in, in, in I haven't seen him now for a couple of years, but we used to play ball a lot together. And 
when I was still in the garage, he would, he, when he was uh, losing weight, you know, cause he had that phase where he was, he got bigger, yeah. stuff, he was losing weight, he's running by, you always run by the garage, come in, say, what's up. We chatted up a little bit and run on, but he's, man, yeah. he's, he's a great dude. And that era was like, I mean, that, that was the, the kind of, he was one of the first, you know, I would say power forwards that was able to do the shit. They would, I mean, they would catch alley-oops wherever you threw it to him. Yo, so that's man, like, that was like what Tommy Frazier was to Nebraska. You know, people always talk about Mike Vick and the dual threat or whatever. Tommy Frazier was Mike Vick before Mike Vick was Mike Vick. And like, you know, you look at Tommy Frazier and uh, yeah, but I mean, there's just, uh, I don't even know. I just had to bring that up because I saw the Sonics have, but just underappreciated, I think is what we look at. But you know, that's something I've always valued about you, man, is you have, I think you sit in this perfect triumvirate of somebody that knows training, knows proper business ethics, and knows how to manage relationships. And it's what makes you such a powerful figure that people will never catch up to. And they should never even worry about catching up to you. They should just want to learn from you and be a part of it and understand that we all benefit from a bigger piece of the pie. It's not I win, you lose. It's not uh, this and that. And I just, you know, I hope you know I've always respected that. You are like back, if you look up the triumvirate, that was like Marcus Crassus, the richest man at Rome at the time, Pompey, who was one of the military geniuses of the time, and Julius Caesar, who had the like uh, power of the, the government or the Senate. And they were this powerful thing, the most powerful trio in the world. Like you have that trio within yourself in this field and you're good natured about it. Like you never, I've never once heard you be like, oh, I'm trying to put this dude out of business or I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. So hopefully field follows your lead in that respect too, because I don't give idle praise like that, but that's real shit. Man, thank you so much, dude. I can't say how much those words mean to me, seriously. And you already know, man, you're my brother, you're my guy. And that's why like, I will forever promote the stuff that you do because it's great, but because you're a great human being too. And with that, said, with that said, I want to make sure that you lead people to the, you know, to the water, to the juice. Yeah. So where can they find out? I mean, like Brett's on all platforms and stuff, but hey, where, where do you want to lead, uh, send people? We to? have made it as easy as possible. Art of coaching dot com yeah, art of coaching.com i like how it's, you did that so you slowed down the tone dude it's everything is right there and if you get lost i get this one every day where do i find your book the largest bookstore in the world amazon.com just type in my name if you don't know how to spell it try your best it'll come up the algorithm smart you can type in conscious coaching brett bartholomew whatever just type that into google if you can't find if you can't remember art of coaching.com you can't remember conscious coaching just type brett barth in google and something will come up and no i'm not the punter from uh, ohio state you know just like help me help you art of coaching.com hey guys listen i've i've pretty much taken everything that brett's put out so man, the biggest stamp of approval. Uh, but that. also like, man, Brett puts out so much stuff for free on, you know, 99% so, of it yeah, easy, ton, tons of it. So I highly encourage you right now, if you're still kind of uh, stuck indoors a little bit, get on this, start the momentum of being one of those people that take these next 10 years and take advantage of it. This, this space that needs to be filled by coaches that, you know, that are great communicators as well. Um, with that said, man, uh, I love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. You need a damn break after your 37 zooms that you've back had. to back to back. Tommy Mansky. Man, you need to, you need to put some Norma tech recovery on and do some fucking breathing. Drills. Oh dude, I go to sensory <laughs> deprivation tanks. I'm just like, I'm, I'm like back, you know, but you got to do what you got to do. I understand that we're trying to get this stuff out there and we've uh, people like you recharge me. I don't leave these meetings feeling like, Ugh. you ask good questions. You're thoughtful. You've dove in. It's the people that like, you know, don't do any prior background. They're like, oh man, you're still working at a athlete's performance, right? I'm like, yeah, six years ago. Cool, man. Like <laughs> glad, glad my time meant a lot to you. Crazy.
that's that's a that's a lesson on the first thing that you said that find out about the communicator damn right. yeah it's bad i appreciate you man take care and thanks everybody listening appreciate it thank you guys for, for joining us sharing this as always hey share this episode man so that we can spread the word and we can get more coaches and more people to get better and take action on something remember every episode take action to something or nothing's happening appreciate you guys coach luca coach brett we're out peace